another episode of the JR Takes Sportscast. I'm Ryan Rogers. And as always, I'm Jonah Hoffman. Welcome, uh, all you Seattle fans. Uh, we had a pretty crazy past couple days uh, in the baseball world. Uh, I'm sure as many of you know, there was a brawl in uh, Anaheim, not Los Angeles. They are not cool enough to be from Los Angeles. They are <laughs> an hour and a half away. They just like to put that in their... It's an hour and a half away? Yeah. Uh, How is that even LA then? It's That's not. <laughs> they're just, they just want to be relevant because well, no one goes to Anaheim besides to visit Disneyland. But uh, anyway... What were you going to say? I was going to say, spoiler alert, we're going to shit on the Angels a lot in this sports cast, so get ready for it. As they rightfully deserve. So, <laughs> first and foremost, uh, I, I've i always been a pretty big Mike Trout fan um, up until uh, about two days ago when he decided to be a little crybaby about, um, you know, uh, I'm not sure if you watched all of the John Boy uh Video. Oh, I, I listened to all of it, yeah. Uh, yeah, but um, he basically started whining about um, being thrown at uh, at his head, which um, obviously the the Mariners pitcher, Eric Swanson, that was uh, pitching in the ninth inning, just had no command uh, of his fastball. And <laughs> it's kind of funny. Uh, all the Angels are complaining about, you know, throwing at the uh, best best player in baseball, but it's like, the Mariners were up five to three. We were uh, going for our fifth win in a row, and before this win streak, we were ten games under five hundred. Like we can't afford to have any more missteps yeah. in any of our games. So why would we be? There's a runner on first. We're up five three with two outs, and we intentionally might walk Mike Trout with Shohei Otani, arguably the other best player in the league. Like those are the two guys right there. Like, why would we be trying to hit Mike Trout? And there's no reason it's for it. It's a division it. game, too. Yeah. And what what is the Angels' record? Are they doing anything this year? They're, I think they're, like, three games um, ahead of us in okay. this stand. They're, like, right with us. We're both uh, fighting for third right now in the division. Gotcha. But, um, yeah, it's just pretty funny uh, seeing all the uh, small details of the brawl. And uh, I don't know if you uh, are familiar with Jesse Winker, but I was really stoked. Dude, when I'm I'm a Jesse Winker fan now because he's, uh, he's kind of a badass. Yeah, he was like he took on the whole team by himself. He yeah. like ran over. And it's really funny how when he describes because he uh, spoke in a press conference yesterday before the game started. You know, it's an unfortunate part. It, you know, <clears throat> it's an unfortunate part because it could all have been stopped um, with a simple ejection and people just not talking. You know, I said that you weren't here, but there's a man with a cast on and a manager talking. That's why this started. If they're not talking, none of that happens. But they decided to run their mouth, and I didn't like that. And that, it's that simple. I... Uh, there's nothing else left to say about that. Um, they're going to suspend me. They're going to suspend Crawford, and that's that's the MLB's decision. Um, whatever. A guy in a cast referring to Anthony Rendon, who the Angels paid like two hundred something million dollars to. Uh, he was a former Washington National uh, mm -hmm. when they won the World Series. Then went to uh, Anaheim, and <laughs> uh, has been riddled with injuries ever since. And it was just funny how he was referring to him as the guy in the cast. Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, basically they were chirping at uh, our at Jesse, and that's why he ran over there on his own, which was 
totally awesome. And then JP Crawford. Uh, yeah, I saw him come flying in to back him up. Yeah, that was so awesome. But I just couldn't believe like the the fucking hypocrisy of the Angels. A the coach or mm-hmm. the, G, the manager, I should say. Yeah, and like the fact that they hit our guy like mm-hmm. nine days prior. Yeah, and we didn't even hit Mike Trout. Yeah, and in that moment. They hit Jesse Winker, so he was, and he could tell it was intentional. Yeah. So he gets up and he's like, "What the fuck? Like, what are you guys doing? Like, come on, you're being ridiculous." Not to mention they threw at Julio, our star That's player, right. yeah. like right before that inning. So, yeah, it's just kind of, uh, I don't know. It's funny how both sides have their own viewpoints inside of the story, but. Yeah, and as far as the suspensions go, I don't know if you're um, too that. familiar with like the details on that, but uh, they get the MLB gave out uh, ten game suspension to Phil Nevin, the Mariners, or I mean, excuse me, the uh, Angels interim manager, which is hilarious to me because that's the most games given by the suspensions of all the players. There was nine uh, Angels coaches slash players suspended, and only three of us. But we got seven games for Jesse, which honestly, I think that's fair. Um, five games for uh, J.P. Crawford, which, all right, yeah, he was throwing haymakers, sure. But then two games for Julio. What did who, he even do? There's no footage of him throwing any punches at all. And he was the one that got thrown at in the yeah, first place. I so don't, I don't understand that at all. So... Yeah, at the MLB, uh, Rob Manfred is just the worst commissioner of all the uh, pro-American sports, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, you have our guys getting suspended for uh, two games, five games, seven games. How many games did the Astros players get suspended for? Zero. For, Are you serious? Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm pretty ignorant to baseball. I haven't paid a ton of attention to it, but... Mm-hmm. That is so ridiculous to me that they didn't get suspended for literally cheating. Yeah. No, no, not just what a slap on the joke. Hand. Yeah. So no wonder that no one really takes baseball that seriously. Uh, and you need things like brawls in order to up the ratings and get people to care about it more. I mean, I'm speaking for myself. It made me care about it more. Yeah. When you cause... have <laughs> half of the hosts here, uh, when that speaks the truth in that regard then yeah the the sport has problems and Mm. you're gonna need uh to get it to be more interesting to be relevant and i guess fighting is one way to do that not that we condone violence but let's be real here sports are more interesting interesting when there's conflict you can't pretend like everyone's gonna get along like perfectly that's just not the way the world works yeah you know what the the situation kind of reminded me of of the fucking Jeff Fisher led Rams for all those years when the, I don't, I mean, it sounds like the angels are, mm-hmm. you know, maybe doing a little bit better than us, but all those mediocre Rams teams that would just come in and be so scrappy. And like, you know, after the whistle stuff going on. And I remember I was at a, I think it was in, it was either 2013 or 2014 for three years in a row. The Seahawks last game of the year was a home game against the Rams mm-hmm. and they won all three times. But I remember in one particular year, uh, there was like a pretty big, like skirmish after the whistle and a Rams player got ejected and he like threw his helmet and his stuff. And the fans were just like, bye or whatever. But anyways, it, it just kind of reminded me of that situation where like you have a, a coach or a manager that's just like, does not have control of their team. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I I think to me, obviously I'm biased, but I think it just speaks volumes to like 
what a shitty manager that guy on the Angels is. Yeah, um, well, and it's funny you say that because uh, there have been I've been obviously following um, the the drama uh, ensuing after this uh, brawl broke out, and a lot of people are suggesting uh, that it well number one that it was totally planned because they brought up a relief pitcher mm-hmm. uh, to open up the game, and he was pitching in his first career start and uh that and they had changed starters like hours before the game had started so it was Mm -hmm. totally planned they were using this guy as their fall guy so one of their their sacrificial lamb so to speak yeah exactly and uh a lot of people are saying you know phil nevin the coach did that to win his guys over but he just like to win his locker room over yeah like to have his guys back but to me he just looked like a scumbag it was yeah and i i you know there are men out there in the the coaching world that like only think that is the way to win their team over is to basically just be an asshole and like that is equivalent to like macho-ness to them or like manliness or whatever Mm -hmm. and i i just think that's so toxic he looks like he he to me it felt like he was being fake tough guy. Yeah. And it kind of reminded me of Freddie Kitchens a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> God, I forgot about that loser. Uh yeah. But anyway, yeah, that's been uh pretty interesting stuff in the baseball world. Kind of took away from the fact that the Mariners had been on a quite the win streak and kind of sucks because we could have easily won that game had we not lost our three uh three important players in our lineup in Winker, JP, and uh, Julio. Yeah, that's a bummer. But anyway, uh, hopefully we can get back on track and start winning some more games. Um, But as far as baseball world, that pretty much concludes all the drama there. Uh, If you want to transition over to some football Seahawks talk, uh, maybe news around the NFL. We know that Deshaun Watson had his hearing today, but... I uh, haven't really heard any news on that. Um, yeah, I haven't seen anything on Deshaun Watson. And, you know, I, I think it speaks volumes to the time of year we're in right now that that's the big story. Because end of June, beginning of July is like, man, it is such a slow news time in, in the NFL world. But I think for the Deshaun Watson situation, it is very bizarre that no suspension or punishment or anything has been divvied out and here we are i mean when did this thing first get um uh, reported on like a year before, and a half ago? yeah before last season because he didn't play at all last yeah. year. yeah because i remember like the texans had a really shitty season in 2020 and deshaun watson was like i want out of here and then it was like a week after he was basically demanding demanding to be traded that these reports of the sexual assault allegations started coming out um but, um, yeah, I mean, I'm just checking the NFL news right now. I'm not seeing anything on it. They said it might go into tomorrow. Though. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I've heard a lot of rumors, and you have to take them with a grain of salt, as always, but that it's looking like a one-year suspension. But from Deshaun Watson's perspective, like, he's still going to get paid 40 fucking million dollars, even if he doesn't play a single snap. Yeah, you got to be kicking yourself if you're a Browns fan and that Browns yeah. front, uh, front office uh, willing to give him that kind of a contract because yeah. I would be so disgusted with my team. It, and, and that's why, and that was a, I was thrilled we didn't go after him. Yeah. I was like, nope, Especially don't, I don't like, even want to touch him. 
especially when I kind of looked into the allegations a little bit more because I, I heard about them and um, I was like, oh, that doesn't sound good. But I didn't actually read any of the um, allegations. It's not good. It's really predatory. It, if true, it's it's fucking bad. And, you know, the NFL has really not had a good track record with properly punishing uh, players that do bad things to women. You know, mm-hmm. Ben Roethlisberger got a slap on the wrist. Uh, Tyreek Hill, Kareem Hunt. I mean, like you can the, the list goes on. I mean, was Ray Rice Dunzo after the elevator oh, video? Yeah, he didn't. I don't think he played another snap. I don't think he did either. But I mean, like there's been a lot of cases where a guy either hits a girl or there's a you know sexual allegation, and then they get a slap on the wrist. Um, I think, uh, if I may, I think a lot. A lot of that might have to do with the way they treat their owners because uh, the NFL always says that they hold their owners to a higher standard than anyone, any player in the league. Mm-hmm. And that hasn't yeah, look led, at Dan that Snyder. hasn't led to be true. And Robert Kraft, remember a couple of years ago when he got was under fire for. Oh, uh, yeah. That, what, what was it like? prostitution or something Something weird not good i totally forgot about it but i mean all these guys are psychotic billionaires anyways i mean i'm sure it's it's just funny how uh if you basically are a billionaire you can get away with whatever you want and yeah uh, you know all those rules go out the window if you're an owner of a team and it's very hypocritical and doesn't look good on roger goodell and yeah. probably why he gets booed at the start of every NFL draft. Well, um, uh, many reasons why that happens. But I, I, I gotta think that say, is a big factor. <laughs> I love when he goes out there smiling to announce a pick and it's just boo! Like, <laughs> so it sounds like a referee just called like a horrible pass interference penalty yeah. in a home game or something. Yeah, because, it's great. <laughs> yeah, no, fuck Roger Goodell. Um, but yeah, no, he, I just... It's unfortunate there's a lot of incompetent people that have a lot of money and they're in positions of power. But back to Deshaun Watson himself. um, Yeah, I mean, nothing has been settled legally other than just the criminal charges. There's all these civil cases. Either way, it's not a good look. And I, I think if the NFL doesn't divvy out at least a significant 10 game to a year suspension, which is still light. Um, there's going to be huge backlash mm-hmm. and uh, I'd be curious to see how Brown's, um, attendance to their games is this year if he doesn't get suspended. But, um, while we're talking about the dumpster fire, that is the Cleveland Browns, let's talk about some Baker Mayfield. Cause that's story again. It's another one that here we are, it's going to be July on Friday and it's still unresolved. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm surprised that nothing's happened on it, but I'm kind of starting to think that either a the Browns are going to be like, uh, well, do you want to play for us this year? Or he's just literally not going to play this year because who's we're going to start training camp in like four weeks. Well, Baker Mayfield, uh, I think it was either today or yesterday, um, recently set uh, opened up and spoke to the media about, um, his feelings towards the Browns and, uh, the potential still of being traded. Is this process right now for you just, I mean, is it a little unfair that you still don't kind of know where you're going or what's going to be happening? Um, I think, you know, I think I got frustrated with it not happening before, uh, you know, like mini camp and all those things. Uh, but that's, that's the stuff that's out of my control. And so, you know, let those things happen and, and fall into place. And so right now I'm just controlling what I can and, and enjoying this. A lot of people that know you know, you know, kind of what you're about and your personality. And they're curious 
could Baker Mayfield ever play again for the Browns? If that, if that. I think it's uh, been pretty obvious the mutual decision on both sides is is to move on. You know, I'm I'm thankful for my four years in Cleveland. There's a lot of ups and downs and a ton of learning experiences that uh, you know I'll forever keep with me. You know, I, teammates and friends and and relationships that I'll have for a lifetime. And you know, just flew in last night from East Lansing, Michigan for Drew Stanton, who's my mentor. He was a quarterback there in Cleveland when I got drafted. And just relationships like that, you're just so thankful for. So, I mean, the support staff in Cleveland, the people of Cleveland, it's a great sports town. So I'm thankful for it. And that's, there's no resentment towards the city of Cleveland by any means. But I think a lot of people think if they didn't have a quarterback for the next year, would there be any chance of reconciliation there? No, I think for that to happen, there would have to be some reaching out. But uh, we're, we're ready to move on, I think, on both sides. I don't know. I know that we discussed in the last episode uh, that we would like to um, maybe roll the dice on Drew Locke. But I just I do think it's kind of uh, alarming that Drew Locke uh, is uh, not playing uh, first team snaps uh, and Geno Smith is. I find that a little bit. He's been playing some first team snaps. It's <laughs> just, I honestly don't think you can take a whole lot out of our quarterback competition until the preseason starts because they're playing in shorts and helmets. And from what I've read, I mean, I remember reading an article the other day that when they were doing seven on seven, Drew Locke threw five touchdowns and Geno Smith didn't throw any. So it, I swear, like, there's nothing less meaningful than minicamp <laughs> yeah, reports. But, I, but I don't like, know. Yeah, I would I would like to, like, if we don't, I think we should at least see two preseason games of this competition. And if we're like, God damn, these guys look bad, then sure, just trade for Baker Mayfield. Like, why not? We have the cap space. But uh, that that's still my thought on it. Um, but I outside the Seahawks, I just who would he start for in the NFL right now? Besides maybe the Panthers, who you know they have a rookie, they have Sam Darnold, they have what's the guy's name? PJ Walker is that his name? Sure. Yeah, I, he I was don't starting he over was... Cam Newton at one point. <laughs> I, dude, the Panthers—they're kind of a mess at the quarterback position. Well, and you got to think too. There's going to be injuries this year. Uh, maybe the Browns are banking on uh, another franchise to get desperate, and they'll just True. eat trade Baker Mayfield's in- contract, and yeah, maybe trade him because Baker could still be on the team a day before the season starts or mm-hmm. whatever. And uh, I don't know. I, but then you got to factor in, you know, learning the offense. I was going to say time uh, or little time to learn it and it just and but again for the in the Seahawks case I personally I would like to see us trade for Baker um but not uh pay him uh I say he gets cut Mm. I would like to see us go after him however you got to think in the future let's say we barely make it in the playoffs as a seven seed I don't really see us with him under center um leading us to the promised land. And then you got to yeah. think too, that would make us a late teens, um, early twenties, uh, draft pick for next year. And I would assume that the Denver Broncos aren't going to be in the top 10 for their draft picks, unless something drastic happens and Russell Wilson gets injured like he did last year. But that just kind of negates the, uh, possibility of us 
getting a uh, top quarterback in next year's draft, which mm-hmm. we need. There are but- a lot of good quarterback prospects in the next draft, though. Like, if you have a first-round pick at all, you'll be able to get a guy that at least has potential. Yeah. Because this next year's class is a lot better than the one we had this year. Well, and uh, not just for quarterbacks, but running backs, too. They're comparing the running back class of next year to the 2017 draft class, which... Uh, who was in that? Was Did that have um, Christian McCaffrey in it and Kamara? I th- I believe so. Okay, yes. that, that was a good one. Um, and uh, it it is a risky uh, risky play if we do put all our chips in Baker, even yeah. if it's for one season, we could lose out on getting that top quarterback. And even though even though you look at this past year's draft with all the quarterbacks that we thought were going to go high, shoot, we thought Malik Willis was going to go. I thought he'd go possibility to the lions at number two two. and he dropped all the way to the third round. So he almost went to the fourth. It was shocking because the Titans were like pick like 80 something. Yeah. Um, But, uh, but yeah, no, I, I totally see the, I see why people want to get Baker, but to what you just said, that's kind of exactly why I don't want to get him. Like this is a bridge year for us. You know, like if we make the playoffs, Hey, fun, cool. I don't really, think it's going to happen i'm rooting for it to happen just because i when i'm watching the seattle seahawks play i want to watch them win i i hate losing um but long term it makes a lot more sense to just roll the dice this year and hey if you have something in lock if for some reason geno smith can pull a late career renaissance at age 31 really don't see it happening but never say never um then great you got a quarterback and you got a chance to win if they suck and we don't win that much, then yeah, we have a top 15 pick at the least probably next year and the Broncos first round pick. So that can be, you know, like a position of need and a quarterback. So it makes just the fact that we have two first round picks, it makes the possibility of, you know, if we get a quarterback and they bust out, it makes it a little less painful because, well, we still have that other first round pick. Yeah. But um, yeah, I just, I don't see the... I don't see the need to get Baker because he's played a lot of football at this point. Um, and Drew has played, he's played a few seasons, but he's only, I watched a video the other day that compared uh, Drew Locke's first, uh, I think it's, let's, let's call it 20 starts. I don't know how many it actually is off the top of my head uh, to Drew Brees in San Diego. And people forget Drew Brees had actually thrown more interceptions than touchdowns his first two seasons. Mm-hmm. Um and granted it's a low sample size and you know we're talking 2004 2005 compared to 2019 through 2021 but their numbers were staggeringly similar and drews were a little bit better or drew locks were a little bit better than drew Brees. um you know right after that period uh breeze took off and became you know who he was as quarterback one of the greatest to ever do it but uh, all I'm saying is I think the possibility of him being something is still there. Whereas with Baker, I think we have seen his best football and it's good. It's it's good. It's like, you know, you can win with that. You can go to playoffs with that. He has never been better than like the 16th to 20th best quarterback in the league. That he's ne- I mean, when have you ever thought Baker Mayfield's a top 10 quarterback? Never, but yeah. uh, I will. Uh, my argument with that is okay. 
you let's say we do roll the dice on Drew Locke and Geno Smith. Uh, the, those two are our guys in our quarterback room, along with um, uh, Jacob Eason, uh, if, if he makes the team, whatever. But do you think that Pete Carroll has that sort of time uh, to work with? Because let's say we only win two games this year with Drew Locke. That's a disastrous season. And some people have to be held accountable for a bad season like that. And I mean, yeah, great. We'll get a good quarterback. But do you really think because like, OK, I look at the Mariners, for example, uh, we just extended both our GM and our head coach, uh, our manager, and uh, all it took for their team to cripple this year was basically a couple injuries. And mm-hmm. we have just a week and a half ago, people call uh, fans calling for the manager's job. Uh, some people even wanting the GM to get fired after he put together a 91 season just not even a year ago yeah uh, so i don't know and uh, then i hear sound bites of baker and uh listening to him talk about you know uh, he would possibly be open to the idea of returning to cleveland but they would need to reach out first and i don't know i i sense a level of maturity when i hear baker talk via the sound bites mm-hmm. and i i don't know i guess i w- i would just like to give him a shot in seattle i think he would play with the chip on his shoulder which pete carroll that's exactly the kind of guy that pete carroll loves is players with chips on their shoulders uh you know the the richard shermans uh, i mean granted baker's a number one pick but the browns did him dirty Oh, absolutely. there's no question about that. Agree with you 100 percent there. I mean, and I don't even see why they felt the need to move on from him. I mean, he's had two kind of bad seasons and two pretty good seasons. He won them their first playoff game yeah. and not just one, but he kicked the Steelers ass who have been like pretty much have owned them, owned the rights to the Browns. <laughs> Ever since I've started watching football. They'd be better off owning them than their actual owners. <laughs> I think it's important to remember with Baker, though, and another guy we'll talk about here in a minute, is he is coming off a serious injury. Mm. So, yeah. And if you bring him in right now, he's going to have to learn this whole playbook. It's going to take a while. I mean, you if you look at... I'll just start talking about Jimmy G. Um, if you look at when he got traded to the 49ers... He didn't actually start for them until he had been there for a month. He was sitting behind C.J. Beathard just because. Ugh! don't remind me of <laughs> his existence, please. Oh, sorry about that. But uh, it, I mean, in Jimmy Garoppolo is world's Beathard. <laughs> world's Beathard. He's, world's, <laughs> he's, See, world's, he's, he's, oh, he's in, in my head now. now, too. No, uh, <laughs> he, he's better than that guy who I will not name again. But um still took him a month. I mean, when yeah. Tom Brady went to Tampa, he had the whole offseason to prepare. I feel like, you know, if you're a running back, if you're a defensive lineman, you can get traded and then two days later play. Maybe not two, but stranger things have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but quarterback, like, that's the mental ask of learning a playbook is is tremendous. So I just, I feel like if Baker was going to happen, it should have happened in the draft. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, and uh, when you're talking about Jimmy G, I personally, I know, uh, I, I don't know percentages of uh, Seahawks fans that who they want between the four guys. I I would assume Gino is dead last there because I that's just I guess I'm being biased there, but um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're right. Uh, but like as far as Jimmy G, I know he has the playoff track record, and I know he has. 
I was listening just the other day to the Salk podcast and they had Robert Turbin on and he talked about, you know, uh, the two things Pete Carroll looks for uh, in a quarterback is third down efficiency and not turning the ball over. Yep. And uh, Jimmy G is the best at both of those things. He has the highest third down proficiency. I think it was 46%. And the next highest was Baker, uh, somewhere in the low thirties, mid thirties. Can't remember which, but, um, I just, I worry about the fact that Jimmy G's not even, he hasn't even started throwing. Yeah. He's coming off that, uh, shoulder injury. And, uh, I don't know if you've been hearing, I haven't heard the sound bites, um, of Julian Edelman, but I know Martellus Bennett the other day was talking about, you remember Martellus? He's yeah. Michael Michael's Bennett's brother. brother, the tight end that played f- with the Patriots. I think the year they beat the Must have been 20 Falcons, I think he. Was Jimmy still on the 49ers? Yeah, he was because he went there in 20. Yeah, so. I think that, it was the year they that beat the sense. Falcons. Um, but, yeah, uh, Martellus Bennett was kind of uh, shitting on Jimmy G. Bro, we lost two games. One of them was because Jimmy Garoppolo was being a and then and trying to quit. He quit before us on the last. Decided not to play right before the game. So we went out there. <laughs> Jacoby, Jacoby came out and played with a thumb and gave his, played his heart out. But Jimmy was just being a about it all. And he's still being it. Like, that's why he. You can't win with a for a quarterback. Yeah, Jimmy Jimmy G has all these great win-loss stats. He's been the worst fucking player on the 49ers offense for four years. I remember the first year I watched him, I was like, this guy can't throw a spiral. He sucks. Yeah. Like he's just spamming throws to George Kittle, who's making amazing catches. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of dinking and dunking. Like really. I do do you remember that throw? I forget who it was to, but in, in the, the Super Bowl, yeah, he overthrew, lost them the game basically, yeah, and yes. he was wide open. It might have been um, Marquise Goodwin, but I could be wrong. Oh, who's on the Seahawks right now? By the way, yeah, is he gonna make the team? He might. I don't know if that's true at all. I'm just thinking deep threat guy. I can't remember yeah. any of their deep. Well, threat he's guys. still one of the fastest players in the league. Like, yeah, he was an Olympic sprinter. Mm-hmm. He's he's crazy fast. So yeah. Um, off topic, but I really like the Seahawks receiver room this year. So it's like whoever they can get to play quarterback, they're going to have some weapons. Yeah, and uh, I guess we'll transition on that note to receivers and the big contract that was signed today in uh, Scary Terry, Terry McLaurin. Um, I believe it was, what, $71 million or $77 million extension. I can't remember what the number was, if you want to fact check that. Um, but I believe I saw uh, there's three big name receivers left on the board to uh, get paid this offseason. And that's uh, DK, Debo, and who was the third guy? Oh, uh, Deontay Johnson on the Steelers, which I think... I Personally, I think him. he's super overrated. I don't. I would not put him in the same class or conversation as Debo Samuel or DK Metcalf. Um, oh, which by the way, side note: Chase Claypool. Are you kidding me, man? Top three receiver. You're in a the top league. three. You're not even top three on your team, bro. <laughs> are you kidding me? All I can think of with Chase Claypool is pass caught by Claypool. First down. Clock running. And it may come up and clock it now. There he goes. They got it now. The balls. They, they they can't get the ball to the official. He's trying to scramble to get it set. 
and then like losing the game because yeah. of that. Yeah, you <laughs> suck, Jake Claypool. I hope you're listening. Okay, three years, seventy-one million for for. Scary That's what Terry. I thought. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, God, dude, Twitter is the worst fucking app. I. I'm yeah, logged I in and, it's, and I was just reading a post as my Twitter account. And, and then when I go to home, it's like log in for the whole experience. I'm logged in. <laughs> I, it, anyways. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think a great deal for DK at this point is four years, hundred million. Mm-hmm. Just give it to him. I don't give a fuck what you have to pay him. Like, yeah. Who, who is the star on our team right now? We're paying, Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs like absurd money. And I, I'm glad we are because I think they're great players. I think Jamal gets shat on a lot more than he deserves to just because he's not he's not a top tier cover safety. But the things Jamal Adams does that he's good at are like no one else in the league does at that mm-hmm. level. So, um, yeah, no, I, I think any day now for DK, I hope John is not lowballing him because he's literally been one of the most productive wide receivers ever for their first three seasons. And you've heard him in multiple interviews talking about how he wants to be the guy in Seattle. He yeah. wants to be the leader to, yeah. for the young guys to look up to. And I just really respect that because plus he, he's cool, man. Yeah. DK is a cool guy. Like, and he didn't, he didn't, you know, cause a big fuss, uh, when the other receivers are getting paid now, granted, we don't know what he's doing behind closed doors now. Yeah, but I and just really appreciated at all. <laughs> I just really appreciated when you know there was a fire sale with Russ being gone and all this talk about you know Tyler Lockett maybe getting traded and all. And yeah, and he, he wasn't like DK. trade me to the Dolphins or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, he DK like pretty much kept his mouth shut with the exception of saying only good things about the franchise and wanting to be a part of it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I hope that we sign him. Just give DK the money. Just, just give it to him. Like I, unless he's being like, Oh, I want to be paid 50 million a year, which I doubt. Yeah. That's Um, absurd. Then yeah. Like there's just no reason not to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I do, again, the leadership thing is why I would give him the money. Uh, He is a productive player, but, um, like, we just, we have a lot of weapons. And, I mean, the receiver market, every team is, like, hot on receivers right now. Yeah. So, you might as well, I mean, what are we going to do? Keep trying to gamble every draft and nail like hit the money on getting a good wide receiver because mm. a talent like DK Metcalf, there was a lot of hype around him coming into the league. And yeah. And, uh, I just don't know if you're going to find that as easy as you did with him. I don't think you will. I mean, like a guy like Justin, Justin Jefferson and Jamar chase have been more productive immediately out of the gate, but not by a huge degree. And they also just have a different skill set than DK. Like mm-hmm. DK in the red zone one on one. I still think he's just scratching the surface of his ability in the red zone. But his touchdown numbers are I think they're tops of any 2019 receiver. Mm-hmm. I, I should have the stat in front of me, but um he has better all around stats completely than aj brown Mm -hmm. so i basically i'm like yeah look at aj brown's contract throw in like another 
million a year or something. Yeah. Or just give him the same exact contract. That's probably fair. And not to mention, I don't know if there's any truth behind this, but I'm I'm just speaking on terms of the fact that I know that they're friends and they both went to Ole Miss. Like, if we offer that to DK, like we that's a great idea looking at aj's contract because i think we could get some leverage uh, i think they have the same agent too i don't know for sure but Mm -hmm. i've heard well i just think what is dk gonna be like no i'm worth way more than aj who is a close friend of his like i I doubt i just don't see that i just don't see him being that selfish or that conceited you know and bashing a um a friend like that not that i mean you know, he can think about his abilities to, however he wants. I'm just saying, I I agree. I think that would be a good uh, template to look at as far as, you know, A.J. Brown. Okay, you're better than A.J. Brown in our eyes. We'll give you a million more than he, he makes yeah. a year. And, you know, people, for some reason, I don't know why, like, there's a perception around the, the league that D.K. has a drop problem. He has, it's not that he drops a lot of passes. He doesn't. He doesn't always make incredible catches, but he has way better hands as far as drop percentage goes than A.J. Brown. Mm-hmm. A.J. Brown has way more drops than him. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's basically as simple as look at that contract, throw in a couple more bones, and we got a deal. Yeah. So. I agree. I, I don't, For some reason, Josh Schneider has always been like, let's extend our important players in late summer. I feel like it's totally arbitrary and it's dumb. If they had extended him middle of last season, right at the end of last season, they could have saved themselves some money based on how the market's been. So I I don't know why that's a best practice for them because it hasn't worked out for the best in practice. You know, you just had Jamal Adams hold out last year. You just had um, Dwayne Brown hold out last year. We all remember the cam chancellor hold out. We all remember the Earl Thomas situations. Like it's, gotten ugly and it's had negative impacts on the season whenever we were too stubborn about what can't be more than a million or two dollars you know for that cap Mm -hmm. i just wish i think john's a good gm but i think he needs to change his mindset a little bit when it comes to salary cap situations because look at the rams dude look at the saints they every year at the end of the year, they're like negative 20 million under the cap and they have to fix it. And they're just like, ah, oh, we'll deal with it later. Let's kick the can down the road. Yeah. He's like, no, I don't believe in doing that. Why? The the Rams just won a Super Bowl. Who cares? That's all that matters. <laughs> There's nothing that matters more in Could football. be a little bit of an old school mindset. I, I think it regard, is. Because I don't know who's calling the shots as far as the cap room in L.A., but I got to think Sean McVay has a different outlook on the way to deal with that given he's yeah. a younger generation of coach. Oh. Whoops. Younger generational coach um and uh everything okay over there? Yeah, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, I don't know. Uh I I remember remember when I sent you that video a couple months ago about Pat McAfee uh and like a lot of that had to do with giving cash up front oh yeah yeah i think i don't know why we don't do that more i don't know either because it you know it helps deal with the cap situation i mean that's all all the player wants is a bunch of cash in their hands yeah people are pretty simple when it comes down to it you know just feed with what it is in their psyche that they want and then yeah um but hey 
at least we don't have the Browns GM and gave a oh my god the first fully guaranteed contract ever. Not to mention that, but like being bad for <laughs> since the nineties, like atrociously bad. Yeah. Well, and then losing the team, and then getting the team back, and then just only sucking. Like yeah, God, Browns Ooh. and Lions fans, if you're listening, which I doubt you are, but man, I'm I feel sorry for you guys. You've had it rough for a long time. Yeah, I mean, I don't feel that sorry for you because we're Mariners fans and we've sucked our whole lives. So true, true. I, I I feel bad for you to an extent. I feel like it hurts more to suck <laughs> at football for some reason, though. Yeah, it's well because I feel like you have more opportunities to make the playoffs because more teams make the playoffs true divisions are smaller there's four divisions of four yeah you basically have all a you, higher probability of making the playoffs all you gotta do team. usually is win nine games and most years if you win nine games you'll get in especially Not, since they added the seventh seed and i think that them signing Deshaun Watson is possibly, you know, the down trickle of having missed on it, so many quarterbacks. It reeks for of insecurity, you know? Yeah. It yeah. reeks of like, God, what, what do we got to do to just be good, win a Super Bowl like all these other teams? We'll just. Yeah. First give- of all, change your logo. No one is afraid of an orange helmet, okay? <laughs> like, that yeah. is pathetic. They- change your logo to a, a, like a dog or something. Yeah. Make it like a mean dog face. Yeah, like I don't know. I, you got a lot more problems. They, they need than your a logo, whole rebranding. Shit. Yeah, yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, that's that, that's about all I had for this one. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, fun. We'll uh, cover more basis on the Seahawks when uh, there's you know we get we get closer to the preseason. But for now, uh, that's pretty much it from. Uh, from my side, Ryan, yeah. you got anything else? Uh, just here's hoping for a DK extension soon. Yes. Uh, yeah. Amen to that. But uh, anyway, thanks for tuning in. Uh, as always, I'm Jonah Hoffman. I'm Ryan Rogers. We'll catch you on the next one.